This is 20 by 20, a podcast from Newcastle University's School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape, where we ask leading architects, urbanists, designers and thinkers to reflect on the ideas, inspirations and interests that shape their practice and their views on the present and future of architecture and cities. It's 20 questions in 20 minutes with me, Owen Hopkins. Can you tell us who you are? Where you're speaking from and what you do. We are Maria Bruna Fabrizzi and Fosco Lucarelli. We are two architects from Italy and we have a practice at the moment which is um, a little bit a research practice and at the same time we have uh, projects we're working on. Uh, we, our practice is called uh, Microcities but we also have an online uh, atlas which is called SOC Studio and during the time the two somehow uh, started to, to come together. So we do some part of the research through SOCs and then it reflects in our projects or sometimes we question some of the subjects in our projects through, through SOCs. And then we both teach in uh, Paris Est, which is so um, campus in, uh, in the east of Paris, of course. And Fosco also teaches in, um, in a scientific assistant in Lausanne at the EPFL. And recently, we are also doing a few works of curatorship and uh, exhibition design, which seems to be for us at the moment the thing we are more, uh, let's say, having fun with, <laughs> which is a real possibility to, at the same time, work on a research, but uh, make it somehow specialized bit, so make it exist in a three dimension and confronting space and architecture together with uh, content. That's it. Okay. We didn't. Well, and, and we're based in Paris. Ah, we are based in Paris. <laughs> We've already mentioned one of the projects I wanted to ask about, Sock Studio, which you describe on the website as a non-linear journey through distant territories of human imagination, which is the most amazing description. Could you talk a little bit about the project? How did it arise? What your initial aspirations were for it, and how have they changed? was found by Maria Bruna and I uh, when we were still students many years ago, 2006. And at first it was a collection of short articles with images on what we were interested in at, at the time. Yeah. And then evolved into a more uh, comprehensive and structured uh, website about art and architecture at large and media, media mm. issues, let's say. That is uh, currently structured in three big, let's say, layers. One is a uh, more heterogeneous format that could recall the, uh, its origins of, as a blog. Uh, heterogeneous in the sense that it's a collection of continuous flow, let's say, of posts uh, about, about buildings and, and pieces of art works and, or problems, scientific problems, let's say, as well. There's, there's a lot of very different stuff that continuously flows in uh, the homepage. Uh, a second layer, which is a what we call a, a visual atlas, in which all the posts are grouped together in a sort of a grid, and that is used by ourselves, but also by our uh, readership to, uh, to make connections between all this, uh, all this amount of posts that uh, today got up to thousands, really thousands of, of different articles. And a third layer, which is the, the, the more recent one, which is the uh, what we call the topics page, 
in which these journeys that he were referring at the beginning of your question um, is structured in, in topics, in real topics, which are non-conventional ways of talking about art and architectural issues, uh, regrouping a variable amount of thoughts uh, together. One of these topics is called uh, dysfunctional plants, for example, uh, and it's uh, related to our interest in the, uh, the plan as a tool for representing a project, but also to be in itself a project, a, a social, political, economic project as well. Or there are other issues related to the perception and vision in the photography uh, or in, uh, another um, methods of representation, which is the axonometry. So there's a lot of different topics, which are the way we connect the dots in a way. Mm. And we constitute this, uh, this journey, which is immaterial, but also uh, able to give influence to our real life projects as, as, a, as, an, office, as an office, but also to our um, research and, and teaching we do at schools or through exhibition design and curatorships. How do you choose the subjects for the things you feature on it? It's mm -hmm. uh, somehow random in the sense that we don't decide uh, to talk about something, but sometimes we some we encounter, like in, in this journey we were talking about, we encounter something we are curious about, we'd like to know about, more about. Uh, sometimes even something which just we don't understand, so we don't know exactly what it is. And we take some time to try and, and give a context to the subject we have, we have found, we encountered. Uh, so sometimes we start from an image, sometimes it would be something we've uh, seen in an exhibition. Sometimes there we have uh, artists uh, sending us uh, images or, or subjects. And some other times we are working, we are doing some research either for a project or for an exhibition. So we would encounter a subject and it's a way to start to analyze it, uh, doing a post about it. But we like to keep this openness. So not having a, an actual editorial line, uh, but just being able to follow whatever, whatever comes to mind. And yeah. we give as much value as to chance encounters as a uh, uh, more thorough investigation and analytical way. So chance is very important to, for us to decide mm. which kind of subjects we, we write on. You've described it, I mean, already in, in our conversation, but obviously elsewhere as, as a kind of atlas. And you've talked about these sort of territories of, of knowledge. And I'm sort of interested in, in how you use that idea of an atlas to make, to, as a sort of structuring device for understanding and making sense of a sort of vast, <laughs> unlimited body of information. And I know you've discussed R.B. Warburg's Memerson Atlas and the sort of relationships that he established between uh, images, you know, focusing on many sort of Renaissance architecture, and this idea of establishing meanings by creating these sort of links and uh, adjacencies. And I'm sort of wondering about how, how that then relates to the structure of the web of pages and hyperlinks, and to some extent how that has changed. I mean, the web from 2006 today, they're very, they're very different places. How, so how, how does that, those ideas of the atlas and the territories translate into the, the, the structures that are part of the internet? Yeah, we realized that, for example, if we talk about the Atlas Nemozine, it had a real, um, let's say, special meaning also. For example, Abby Warburg, while he was showing the, um, the panels of the Atlas, it would move from one image to another. So it is actually a map 
even so the word atlas it uh, was at first used to show the geographical atlas and it becomes a sort of mind exhibition exhibition of different moments of uh, knowledge as you were as you were mentioning uh, so we figured that there is a sort of quality which puts together the idea of the flat image uh, with the idea of space. And we were very interested into this um, aspect and it's something which we tried and translated also in the exhibition. And then there is a third layer, as you're mentioning, which is the digital uh, world. Uh, we like to think about also the, the digital territories as, a, as territories. So it's also in the, in the titles which you mentioned the non-linear journey, uh, journey through territories of uh, human imagination, to distant territories of human imagination. Uh, we think that even if the, um, if the web is conceived on pages, uh, it is also sort of a journey. You move from one link to another, you move from one space to another. Uh, it's virtual space, but still uh, might have this sort of almost special uh, way. Substance, yeah, substance, which we, we believe it's, it's into the, the web already. In the last exhibition, which we produced, for, which is called Database Network uh, Interface, we, we work on exactly on, on this subject. We were wondering if, it, if there could be a space for digital, um, for accessing digital content. If there is an interest in making uh, architectural space as a way, as an interface to become and to have an access to digital content. It was one of the questions. Yeah, mm -hmm. one of the themes of the of the exhibition. So we do believe there are somehow these three levels, the image and the way of relating the images, which is similar to the Atlas uh, of Warburg in a way. It's not similar, but it somehow connect can be connected to the Atlas of, of Warburg, where you have a subject and then a few others come close to it and can open other ways to discuss about the subject. We have an idea of space, uh, which is for us already present in the Abbey Verbal uh, Atlas, but it's in the idea of Atlas itself as a geographical uh, tool, let's say. And the third uh, one is the digital, which could be considered as a space in itself. And at the same time, it's very, uh, it works pretty well to navigate through it through an atlas because it's made by links, it's made by connection, it's made by things which uh, are on the same, uh, on the same plane. I mean, you mentioned uh, one of your exhibitions, and I sort of wanted to move the conversation to your curatorial practice. Firstly, a sort of general question about the relationship between a project like Sock Studio and your curatorial practice. How how do they connect? How do they relate? What's what's the kind of uh, relationship uh, between them? Um, and then, and then, secondly, I wanted to ask about the former form exhibition that you did at the Lisbon Architecture Triennale in 2016, where I've heard you sort of speak about that being a kind of translation of the digital into a kind of physical atlas. So, could you talk a little bit about that project? And I also wanted to kind of pose the question of what is lost in that translation, but what also is gained as a result of it. The last years we produced three, let's say, major exhibitions and a number of minor ones. And the first one was the one that you cited, Form of Four, uh, followed uh, in 2019 by another exhibition at the Lisbon Triennale, uh, which was called uh, Inner Space, Constructing Imagination. 
And the last one we just opened uh, some weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, the database network interface, the architecture of information. These three works are research-based. They're not just exhibitions in a, a conventional sense, in, in the sense that we regroup uh, a series of works for their features, but they're in a way uh, intended to, to investigate facets of the three of them, specialization of, of, of cognitive functions in a way. And for the first one in particular, uh, the form of form, the idea was to translate, as you said, our visual atlas, which was uh, completely immaterial at the time because it was completely confined in the, uh, in the work that we did in uh, SAC Studio, to a, to a space itself, a physical space, a physical space of the exhibition, especially the exhibition whose pavilions were conceived by three different architects um, working together. Uh, using their own spaces, the reductions of, of the space that, that, that come from fragments of their architectures, recomposed together in a sort of Frankenstein cadavres skin, exquisite corpse, which become, becomes a unitary new architecture out of fragments of different productions of these three architects. So we were confronted with uh, these pavilions that was over change, changing all the time during the, the exhibition. We had to, to find uh, somehow a format that was adaptable of this big Frankenstein of fragments. And so we end up working on a series of subjects uh, related to the aspects of the forming of form, how form was related to the physical space, to political aspects, to presentational issues, and so on. How, how form comes into space in a way. We try to uh, use the uh, interlinking possibilities that we have naturally in the web, that is to have a, an article that can connect to other articles in a sort of a surreal and infinite, endless way, uh, using the, the mirror pavilion as a physical device to do that. And this pavilion, that as I said, is composed of fragments at huge number of openings, uh, doors, windows, um, they connect from one space to the other ones. So we translated the technical interlinking that we have on the internet with a sort of perceptive interlink. In order to uh, allow this, we decided that all the images that we featured in, uh, featured in this exhibition uh, should have been at the, at the height of the eye of the observer. So all the images are uh, from a sort of a line, continuous line at 1 and uh, 70, 1.70. Mm -hmm. Uh, meters from, from the ground, so that in a way the foreground would correspond in a way in an horizontal line to the, to the backgrounds and, uh, in order to, to allow for interlinking of subjects in different spaces. Uh, I don't know, it's a little bit difficult to, to, <laughs> to describe this without, without no, so images. In a sense, yes, we really try to translate the moving through links and pages into an actual moving into space yes, physical always conducted by the images and in a sense what you lose is the um, i wouldn't say the infinity because of course not either a website is not infinite but it has a huge it can uh, it can com continuously change it can be continuously updated an exhibition at a certain point it's a limited space uh, and so we had to choose and uh, we couldn't have and in the sense, you lose this possibility of continuing. You lose the access from everywhere. You have a space which is in a specific place. While we were used to this um, idea of a website where everybody comes from its place, 
But what you gain is already the possibility of making it a collective experience because people would go in exhibition also in groups, they would discuss around the, a piece. Cool. And sometimes navigating on internet most of the time is a very solitary activity. People would you know, just move from one point to another alone and would not connect among other discussing. So the, the exhibition has this very important uh, moment of, yeah, of confrontation of content and for, uh, of yeah, discussing. And also for us, for the one of the first times we, of course, we came into contact with the artists which produced and the architect which produced the work or with their foundations. And it was a way also for us to discover new stories behind the works to give another layer of content behind mm. it. That was just from the sort of practical thing of wanting to borrow things or wanting to get permission to... Exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. I sort of wondered about this, I mean, this question of materiality, I think, is a really fascinating one. And one of you might kind of just re reflect on, on that, you know, beyond what you've already talked about, but that thing of making this stuff matter, what, what that does. And in relation to sort of value systems that we have and the distinctions we have between objects and images which are meaningful in the physical realm but perhaps have other meanings have no meanings at all or no relevant meanings in the digital and in a kind of put a kind of probably a very crude <laughs> simplistic question in the exhibitions does it matter whether you are showing originals or reproductions in this exhibition we did in uh, the form of form, we decided we would do only use uh, reproductions. That was, uh, it's, it's a long story, but at first um, the exhibition was supposed to be in an uh, interior, so inside the mat in uh, Lisbon then for a series of events, all the exhibition became in, into a, an exterior. So it was an exterior pavilion. So there was an actual choice. Um, yeah, so we couldn't yeah. even choose at a certain point. And at the same time, we decided to accept it. Uh, it was not about a fetishist value of an object, but it was purely about the meaning it was conveying. And for us, it was very important that the objects, the meanings they were having, they were always in relationship to other objects or to other images because of course we work with images but we, did, um, uh, we also had some models and the video we tried to add a few of other media but they were all uh, reproductions what is important also for that particular exhibition and for our work in general is to to have some kind of conceptual references in a way it's mm. modes of operation let's say that we reference always to and one of them is the series of exhibitions curated by art historian and critic uh, Lucy Lippard in the 1960s and 70s, yeah. if I'm wrong, uh, the paper exhibitions, let's say, in which uh, um, she produced a series of, of say, nomad exhibitions that could be contained in a suitcase. Contained, so it's a series of reproductions, so photocopies. So they, they could be sent, they could yeah. be, yeah, so just the, in the end, uh, everything can be contained in a suitcase. Yeah, so we had also this model in, uh, in mind. So it was about, uh, yeah, it was about not dealing with the originals, but with the image. Uh, we were very interesting, we've always been very interested in this difference in between image and picture. It doesn't exist in, in either in Italian or in uh, French. We would always say image, uh, imagine it. But this idea that picture as a support 
for it. So it has a specific uh, for a specific dimension and a specific materiality. And the image is something which can circulate, uh, which can be on a screen or which can be printed on a book or which can be exhibited. <coughs> so let's say our was an exhibition of images and on the power of images to create connection and to develop new discourses and not so much about pictures. My final question is just to kind of move on to that the other part of your incredibly sort of multidisciplinary, multifaceted practice is to ask about your role as teachers and how that connects to everything that, <laughs> that, that we've that we've discussed so far. For example, me specifically, I work as a teacher for representation, so visualization or scene architecture so is very much connected to this idea of images and on using drawing and models and pictures with, with the students. We work with many different uh, media to construct content and to construct a project. So to never uh, work on uh, visualization at something which depends on something, but also in something which has a specific identity and a specific materiality. And then we both uh, work together in a seminar, which is one year seminar uh, each year in Paris in between fourth and fifth years. And it's a, uh, about theory. So the students have to produce a little book and they work both with texts and images and, and drawings. drawings. So we consider re research, it's made and not just from books and from writing, but also from drawing, redrawing, putting things in, in contact and in contrast. So to say, so it's a way of, uh, it's a very visual way of, of working. And I guess it's very connected to the way we work with socks. And also we use socks many times as a support. We also use today, I was thinking. So sometimes we use the work which are on socks as a way to dialogue with students. And sometimes it's another uh, reason why we publish one post. Sometimes it's because we're looking for something to discuss with the students and then we would just make a post so that it's public. And in your case, you also teach... Yeah, I also teach um, a design studio in, in Paris. Uh, and there maybe the, uh, the relationship with the image is a little uh, different, probably, let's say, more subtle in a way, in the sense that uh, more than the images, I'm interested in the question of imaginaries. You know, image and imaginary are at the same root, so, of course, they are linked together. I usually work uh, using analogical strategies in order to connect uh, imaginaries related to, uh, I don't know, specific artists, for example, or um, activities or imaginary of nature in the ca in cases of uh, design students, in which uh, the problem is related to uh, transforming the territory. And I use them as a analogical way for the students to translate imaginaries into, into forms, into possible forms. Forms that are, of course, uh, that they condense in a way problems of, disciplinary problems, problems of structure, for example, or materiality of a, of a project of architecture uh, with extra disciplinary matters, uh, which come from the imaginary they choose uh, design studio by design studio. So that in a way, we, we somehow refer to the role of image and, and pictures also in a mm -hmm. sense. Uh, in very different ways in our activities, depending on the on the purpose also of the uh, studio or the seminar or the courses that Rebuna is doing in uh, in Paris. And my very final question: what What's next? You've just opened an exhibition, but what do you have coming up in the the, the near term? 
we are a little bit back um, to on projects when more it's, conventional uh, more yeah. conventional <laughs> but we're trying we are trying to integrate this imaginary kind of work into more conventional work we are working on the transformation of the farm in the north of France into uh, housing units. And then we are working on a dance pavilion in uh, in Italy. So it's very nice, funny. And then also one thing we are it's still uh, early on, but we, we did the last two exhibitions we did, we feel that they could be part, they could be a, tri a trilogy. So we'd love to make a third one and we started to think about it about this idea of spatialization of cognitive uh, say processes. So we did the one we did in uh, Lisbon was about imagination. It's called Inner, Inner Space in 2019 was about the spatialization of imagination. It's a, there's, a, there's a book which is related, which is not uh, a catalog. Mm. Uh, it's more a, a collection of essays related to the themes mm. then developed in the exhibition. It's called Inner Space. Mm -hmm. Then in this one we just opened, it's about knowledge. It's about information, but also knowledge, specialization on knowledge. So how do buildings which respond to the idea of communicating knowledge uh, work? But not only building, we move also to the question of the digital. And we'd, I, we'd love to make a third one on another uh, process, knowledge process to show where it could be. But it's still... Uh, it's we too just, early on. Yeah, it's too early <laughs> to talk about it. It's a bit in the longer term in any case our ambition is to uh, progressively you merge. know <laughs> merge all these activities in a very coherent package uh in the sense that you know yeah. the the work we do in teaching the work we do in exhibition design the way we, that we do that the work we do in socks the way they are or they and and finally also the uh the more conventional projects conventional in the sense that are more architectural the programs uh, and not experimental yeah. yeah the programs are more architectural and less uh research-based mm. uh but well all these can be uh, somehow uh, understood as a as the production of ourselves in a way and and also the for uh, us they should be the same research yeah and at first they we felt they were very far away heterogeneous and now they are somehow coming together through also this idea of spatialization of mental processes and this idea of spatialization of the digital we're talking about, it's somehow helping us to make those things come together. Consistent. Mm -hmm. So, but it's still early on I and mean, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Mario Bruno Fabrizzi, Fosco Lucarelli, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to 20 by 20, a podcast from Newcastle University's School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape. Stay tuned for more episodes, write a review or give us a rating, and be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform.